right, good afternoon. We'll call our February 22nd Little Rock Water Reclamation uh, Commission meeting uh, call to order. You have a quorum. Commissioner Debbie Shaw, Commissioner Jonathan Simmons, and Commissioner Chris March are online. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you're stuck with the pretty face with me today. That can freeze just as easily as you can outside. That's it. Stay up there. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. All right, item number four. We have a special presentation from Mr. Walter Collins. Thank you, Chair. I'll tell you what, uh, Commissioners. We're saddened to report that uh, this past January, uh, we lost a great coworker and, and to many of us, a, a truly great friend, uh, Mr. Danny Robinette. Um, his, his wife, Mary, uh, their young, youngest son, Noah, and Danny's uh, brother, Randy, are here this afternoon to, to help us honor Danny. Uh, over the 36 years at the utility, uh, he had worked alongside so many of, of our employees. Uh, he had also trained and actually supervised uh, pretty much all of the members that had come through the uh, facility maintenance team. So uh, with this is, is, you know, he gained tremendous respect from all of us uh, in his work, in his life. And, and of course, with that comes interesting stories to remember Danny by, uh, particularly his devotion to his family. Uh, Danny would he loved to travel, loved to spend time with his wife, Mary, uh, uh, the two sons, uh, Brandon and, and, and Noah. Uh, he would spend weeks preparing a motorhome uh, loading it, talking about all the prep work he did, uh, talking about the next family adventure, you know, go camping, uh, to go to swim meets. Uh, we heard a lot about swim meets, uh, just to see the country. And, and you saw that in him. And, and he always had the stories when he came back, you know, pictures of where they went, what they did, what they saw. Uh, Danny was devoted to his church, uh, he, and he's instilled that in his son. His son uh, of course, if you ever sat in Danny's office, and just talking with him and, and gaze around his office and see what we call the monsters on the wall. You would know his devotion to deer hunting. <laughs> this, is, this is something he talked about every season, uh, leading into every season, and, and truly every opportunity to spend that uh, that time with his with his boys, as he called them. Uh, he always had stories when he came back from deer camp, usually of the deer they got. Occasionally it would be the deer they missed. But uh, I know those were rare, based on all the pictures we got to see. That that was rare. Um, uh, one of the interesting things about Danny, though, and, and for some unknown reason, he loved dealing with annual contracts, our service contracts, uh, contract language, contract doors, scope of work reports, all the fun stuff that comes along with that. But what people don't know about Danny was that he was an excellent small engine mechanic. Uh, this is something he was gifted with. So uh, back in the day at Fush, uh, lab samples had to be collected out in the middle of the river, the Arkansas River, at the end of the outfall. Uh, uh, not so much at Adams, you could walk pretty much to the end of the jetty and, and collect samples. But at Fush, you you had to take a boat. We, we had to get a boat, uh, rather large boat with a motor, and go out in the middle of the Arkansas River and collect samples. So this went on for several years. Uh, we even used that boat, I think, on occasion when when the flood levy gates failed and we had to shuttle employees back and forth into push. Well, years ago, just a few years back, Danny found that old motor sitting in the shed. He took it upon himself 
you know, to, uh, to repair that, that motor. Uh, actually rebuilt it, got it cranked, got it running, uh, ran perfect. But to really test it, Daniel volunteered to strap that motor onto a little bitty aluminum boat <laughs> and launch it in a pond out back of Fush. And it was working fine. He was just, you know, idling around the pond, and then he really decided to test that motor. And he slammed the throttle, of course, full throttle, little boat, it went straight in the air. <laughs> Danny wound up on his backside in the pond. <laughs> I said, great mechanic, not Captain. <laughs> well, the pond, let me say, no one was hurt. The pond was about, about wasting. So he had to stand up in the pond and eventually work his way over to the edge where, where some of his co-workers were standing and eventually helped him out when they stopped laughing. So it was some while later, you know, I'll agree it was a while later, but but Danny was able to laugh about that with us. We enjoyed that. Um, just some of the memories that we have of, of our fellow coworkers and, and those that we appreciate. And, and with that, uh, Mary, I, I'd like to just really say it was. I'll see what I'm bringing over here. It was my honor to get to work with you. I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate getting to know you too. And uh, I want to present this to you, a commemoration of his, his dedication and devotion to his job and the utility for 36 years. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Item number five. Are there any objections to approving the minutes of the January 18th, 2023 meeting? There are no objections. The meeting, the minutes are approved as written. Item number six. Do we have any public comments? For that? No, sir. Thank you. All right, item seven. Uh, Greg will give us a presentation in a, on the compliance report with the Sierra Club. And uh, Chairman Hightower, um, this is the uh, compliance report. We have done one since I believe 2002. Um, obviously, as you folks know, with the Sierra Club, we went into an agreement with them in 2001. And really, what this report does is it's that year, uh, 2022's report card on what we did, the projects that we did, what impact they have. Uh, and so, we submit this to the Sierra Club, and then next month we'll submit something extremely uh, close to this uh, to the uh, ADEQ, um, their review. Um, and so what I'm asking is, I, I know that there's a lot of a lot of information in here, but uh, what I'm asking is for the commission uh, to accept the 2022 Sierra Club settlement report. Thank you. Hey, do I hear a motion to that effect? So moved. moved. Second. 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 All right. Thank you. Uh, any questions? All those in favor, please have. Aye. Aye. Any opposed? All right. 
Thank you. Item number eight, Carrie Liskin will present a recommendation of an award for professional services. That's me. Good afternoon. I'm happy to be in front of you all today. It looks like we have favorable weather, but if I recall for the last several Februaries, we've had inclement weather and we're remote. So it's nice that, it, that it, we're maybe turning turning the corner on that. That's right, knock on wood. <laughs> today, we have for you a follow-up to the budget amendment um, that I presented to you all last month regarding the Tebow, I think that's the correct pronunciation, pump station and force main project. This request will be for a recommendation to award the professional services for the pre-construction or the design phase of this project. So let's get started. All right. Uh, as always, we'll cover the background and how we got here, our project today, our next steps, and then our request. So just to reiterate the location of this pump station and where we are serving, this pump station will be located in the port of Little Rock, just off of the Tebow Road. This pump station will serve approximately 2,300 acres and tie into the existing force main that ultimately transmits our flows to the Fush Creek Water Reclamation Facility there in Orange. Just wanted to add here too, that this is a collaborative effort. Uh, the Chamber of Little Rock and Little Rock Port are constantly seeking uh, industrial prospects for the undeveloped land within the port. Some of those areas uh, for potential industries you can see uh, here in the map. The authority continues to work with both of these parties to proactively provide wastewater service as a positive sell selling point for those future industries. Um, oftentimes, uh, two or plus years uh, is what it takes to, to provide necessary improvements to uh, extend those sewer, sewer services. So we're proposing here to do that within a little over a year. How are we going to make that happen? I am so glad you asked. <laughs> Moving into this particular project and delivery, I know this slide looks a little bit confusing, but I think it's a good breakdown of the construction manager at risk delivery method, or as we call it, the CMAR method. Um, what we do with this method is we procure both the engineer and the contractor on a qualifications based selection. We do this procurement on the front end of the project and have both parties on board for the design all the way through the construction. And just as a refresher of the advantages of this method, it's quicker for project delivery from start to finish, especially in the construction phase. It fosters a good team environment from the beginning with both the designer and the contractor. And there's a lot of transparency in designing costs with this method. A couple of other things to note about the CMAR process as it relates to the authority specifically. In 2017, under the leadership of our very own Gene Block, LRWRA led the effort to get alternative project delivery methods for wastewater projects approved by state legislature, which is why we are able to use this method for some of our projects today. Following that approval, LRWRA, Corolla Engineers, and Brassville Gorey worked together on a uh, very successful CMAR project for the hydraulic upgrade that we did at our Fush Creek Water Reclamation Facility. So we have a good track record. We're one in one for this project delivery, so we felt like it'd be a good one a good one for this uh, project. So moving forward into this professional services procurement, we advertised for qualifications at the turn of 2023 and took some middles shortly thereafter. We had four interested responders that you can see here. Okay. Um, after interviews, the top of the top ranked firms, we chose Garber Engineers. Their scope uh, that you can see here will include a pre-construction or design phase of approximately six months, coordination with the contractor during this phase, 
the equipment analysis and selection and review and validation of the price submitted by the contractor. A couple of future, excuse me, sorry, commission action items. Uh, we'll bring to you the construction phase amendment for this uh, design contract, as well as procure our contractor here within the next couple of months on a fall phase selection and be bringing that contract for you to in front of you as well. I can pause here and entertain any questions or comments. Um, Carrie, but um, Chairman Hightower, commissioners, uh, the reason why we're going with a uh, CMAR um, for this particular contract is because this pump station will also serve the track, um, the, the, the track development that's occurring, um, and their hope is to be online and in operation within a year. So we want to be pretty much at that same at that same uh, schedule. Moving into our request, staff is requesting commission to authorize CEO Greg Ramon to execute the professional services designer contract with Garver for the pre-construction phase of the Tebow Road pump station and force main in the amount of $477,032. All right. Do I hear a motion to that effect? So moved. And second. Second. Are there any other questions? All right, those all in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Motion passes. Thank you. All right. All right. Item number nine. Kyle Anderson will present a recommendation of award for commercial real estate services. You allow me, I'm gonna take executive privilege. There you go. The main seat is during my presentation to spare the audience the back of my head. Sound like a blank. Okay, so um, today's request at the end of this presentation is is really pretty pretty typical and pretty common, but there's a lot of background that I feel like we really need to cover, um, or at least maybe I just have the opportunity to to ask you to cover this. Sure. So let's uh, let's get into it. Hopefully, I'll mess this up. So. Um, the people I work with, it would only be uh, fitting that, you know, if you talk the talk, you got to walk the walk, and they all know that I always say, what are you doing, why are you doing it, and why are you doing it now? So hopefully before this presentation is over, I'll answer those questions. What are we doing? Um, we're looking at land acquisition to support our biosolids management and disposal. Um, why are we doing it? The biosolids management and disposal are critical to our treatment plant operations. And why now is obviously we, we feel an increased concern over the reliable access to land and application sites. So when I'm doing a presentation, I always ask Ms. Kanita to help me because for some reason I don't have um, Ms. Carabas gift of gab. And so it's a little dry chicken. And so she helps me with some gravy for this. So I have a short video here. Uh, and it's when I say short video, I mean short. No, no time for popcorn or anything like that. So let's see if I can pull this off. This is this is using our drone footage, um, and just kind of giving me an overview of the biosolids process. So this is a this is looking at our sludge lagoons. When we talk biosolids, when we're thinking solids, and what you have probably thought of as solids, maybe two different things. You'll see 
It's a very liquid form, um, about 7% solids is what it is. And this is a mixing process that has to take place in order for us to use that tractor or one like it to pump the solids from the lagoons that you see here. And you can see the two lagoons on the left are ones that are not being emptied, the two on the right are, into transport trucks. Transport trucks then transport it to a field very similar to this. This is um, one that's being used for hay. At the site, the transport truck with the use of this tractor and pump offload the biosolids into this tractor and application tanker, which then distributes the biosolids in their liquid form uh, through a distributor like you're seeing here. Pretty, um, it's pretty rough at this point. This is, uh, this is again, looking at it at the same day as the application. And this is probably the best slide of the bunch. This is some two weeks later, and you can see what the pasture looks like after two weeks. So we're back to better than it was before in our opinion. So I think that's it. Um, that was a great. Um, Chicken always tastes better. Every chance we get, we like to brag a little bit. And so in the water reclamation process at all of our facilities on a yearly basis, um, we have three basic products left. Um, we reclaim approximately 12, over 12 billion, with a B, gallons of water per year that are returned to the Arkansas River. We generate approximately between 5,500 to 6,000 dry tons, not liquid, but dry tons of biosolids per year. And currently that's land applied to agriculture as a soil amendment, um, like you saw in that um, video. To give you an order of magnitude, it takes about 4,000 truckloads to transport this 6,000 dry tons per year. Um, we generate approximately 122 million cubic feet of biogas a year. And we're currently burning that um, biogas as fuel for the cogeneration process or if necessary, it's it's flared off. Um, give you an, an order of magnitude there. According to my internet research, it's about 66,000 um, cubic feet per residence in a year if you use gas to heat your home. So this is this equivalent of gas would um would power or fuel about 1,900 homes. Okay, so now. What are we going to ask for today? Well, land acquisition to support biosolids management and disposal. Um, in our opinion, land application remains the most cost effective environmentally friendly option. Um, it's it has nutrient enhancements. Um, it it's a what they call a soil amendment. It adds organic material to the soil, and probably one of the um, best thing it does is it, it enables the soil to retain moisture better. That's the reason it's very good for hay crops and things like that. In order to meet our needs, we need about 800 usable acres um, for the land application process. Again, we believe we need to, and I'll underline, explore here because that's the point in time that we are right now. Um, we are exploring the option of land acquisition to support this critical function. We've never done this before. We've never tested the water. We've never stepped out to see what was available and what the cost might be. So we're certainly in a, in a position now to explore this option. 
And then we also believe that because this isn't in our wheelhouse, um, we need to procure the services of a professional realtor to assist in locating and appraising and negotiations with property owners. This is not just your typical um, land purchase either. There's going to be some requirements for us. Uh, the land needs to conform with surrounding land use. You wouldn't want to do this right next to a subdivision, for instance. Um, it needs to have red track uh, truck access because these, again, the number of trucks that we're going to be using need to have a good access to the, to the site. And then probably the most important, um, we've got to have a level of confidence that this land that we're going to buy to apply biosolids to can be permitted to apply biosolids. So we would not want to buy the land for that use and then not be able to obtain the permitting. So and all now, of those just very quickly, and that would be a condition of purchase as well. In other words, we would have to we would have to have the, the permitting as part of it. Otherwise, we wouldn't buy it. And, and so that's that's those are the things that make it complicated enough that we certainly will need the help of a, a professional realtor to help us do those uh, non-typical things. Once one application is done, how soon after can another application yes. be put? Yeah, so they, um, part of the permitting process, they have uh, limits on the amount of uh, biosolids you can put per acre. So we put that much and then we have to move on to the next day. So it's so, a permitting limit. No, it's like yeah. an annual. It's an annual. Okay, limit. annual. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So annually we can put a certain amount on per square foot. Okay. Per square foot per acre per yeah. okay. Um, okay. The next quick question. Then sure. To uh, the the use of the land other than just for the biosolid, is are there other use that could happen? Such as you mentioned with the hay piece of it, are there other opportunities that could either offset costs or be utilized by other groups? Well, that, typically, what we're so. Pasture land or grazing land is um, our preference because it has the highest rate of application that we can put biosolids. Uh, other other uses like mixed grass or let's just say some of the um, agricultural uses, whether it's corn or some other things, there's more restrictions on what you can do and the amount that you can put on is less. Um, so almost on every one of these sites, they're either cutting the hay for um, to feed the cattle or they're actually bringing cattle onto the land after a certain period of time. To graze on the land, so that's that's what I'm aware of that's being done with the land and breeze. Um, okay, so why why is this important to us, and why are we why are we um, pursuing this? So, biosolids management disposal are critical to our treatment operations. You know, this first bullet, I can't say this enough. I know Greg has said it around, and we 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 think maybe if we say it enough, everybody will hear us. And there can be no wastewater treatment without a means to dispose of biosolids. It is a critical. Um, function of the wastewater treatment process. So there has to be some method or means to dispose of biosolids. Um, currently, we utilize privately owned land and permitted sites. We have about half of the need, um, an annual need in a class B permitting, and then we use, uh, we lean on class A permitting for the, the remainder of the sites. Um, so, um, you know, currently permitted land owned by someone else is the way we're doing it. Biosolids disposal today represents a million dollars um, of cost to our O&M budget. This thing with Mike wrote about this. Our total O&M budget is $33 million. So you say, well, 1 million out of 33. Well, 21 million of our 33 is salaries and benefits. 
And so that only leaves 12 million. So it's really 1 million of 12 million. So mm -hmm. it, as you can see, it's a, a significant cost in the O&M budget um, allocated towards biosphere disposal. And we feel like it's going to do nothing but, but go up. Um, land close to the Fush Creek facility provides a cost savings. We had a meeting with the contractor. You know, I always tell everybody, um, we want our contractors to make money. If they don't make money, it's not good for anybody. And especially you want them to bid it again the next year and, and be competitive. So um, we had a meeting with the contractor said, what can we do to make this better? Um, and, and first answer, biggest answer, he wants as much land as close to the facility as he can. With the number of trucks that he's using, the time it takes the trucks to make a circle um, is critical to his to his business. So locating land close to the to the FUSH facility is, is key. Um, you say, well, is this the only thing you can do? Well, no. There's alternative methods of, of biosolid disposal. Um, heat drying, lime stabilization, incineration, any of those require significant capital investment. And in most cases, also an increased O&M cost. Um, the problem right now is, without a doubt, the future of biosolids is somewhat unknown. So to step up because of PFAS, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. But to step out there right now with a major capital investment um, doesn't seem prudent until we see kind of where the outcome of, of some of that is going to be. So we're looking at what can we do to enhance our current process um, and let the let things kind of land where they will before we make a major change in what we might do. And if you so like that was why I saw the other day where they were using, I think it was the value or maybe in the northern sands for the oil extraction, they were using more of a compression heat piece that was almost taking that solid and it would make it transportable without having to use it in that liquid form there. Is that yeah, so so there are ways to definitely um transport as a solid instead of a liquid. Yeah. Um again. The closer you are, the the less the cost of transportation is. Sure. But there's also cost and significant cost to get that when when it leaves our digesters, it's at about a one or two percent solids. Always look to him for help. Mm -hmm. um, but also tell him, don't don't correct me unless it's really important. So anyway, <laughs> so uh, it, it leaves one one or two percent solids. It sits in those lagoons, and we actually just use Mother Nature to consolidate it down to that six or seven percent solids evaporation. Gravity, all that consolidates it to a six or seven percent solid. So we're getting that for free mm -hmm. to go from seven percent to let's say thirty percent to haul it as a as almost like dirt um, costs money, yeah. uh, and it takes right. one of those processes. What, what was that? And, and forgive me for asking this, but this process we're using today with the removal of the biosolids through this process, how long is this? How long have we been doing this? We've been doing this since um, since that plant was built in the early eighties. As as I guess as the city has grown, the need and more is that what's causing us now to have this piece of it because of the growth or well we've always had this say I you know it used to be a five hundred thousand dollar line item on our O and M budget mm -hmm. um, and I think it's just the pressure of available land um, and then there was some consolidation of contractors that kind of that kind of got us into uh, into where there's not as much competition as there once was I don't really. I really don't know how we made the leap from about 700,000 to a million, but, but boy, that's where we are when we take bids. And, and what was really concerning is we had one bid that was 900,000. The second low bid was 1.4 million. So if we lose the 900,000 guy, yeah. the next bid. So I guess that's my question. Is the cost of just doing this increasing 
or is the fact that we're doing more increases? No, I don't think we're doing. I mean, Little Rock hasn't grown that much significantly enough that that's the contributor. It's more just the cost of what we're doing is increasing. So in the past, we, we always have to have permitted land. And mm -hmm. in the past, it used to be that the contractor that hauled it for us had all of the land. Yeah. And so when it came time for bidding it, there was one contractor. Right. And so by us holding the permit, we then allow others to also uh, be uh, are able to uh, apply it because they're applying it on our land. So that, that's been the what we believe we're hoping keeps prices at some steady level. Why we're doing this is because at, at any point the, the farmers can tell us thank you, but no thank you. Sure. And we keep producing it. Right. I took care. You did a little bit. That's okay. <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, we again we believe by, by owning some of our own required land, we can better predict and better control the outcome of this process. Um, and then we also feel like land has historically retained value as an asset. If we if we spend money on land, um, and we do this, and we decide to make a change to one of these other um, methods of disposal, we don't feel like it would be not an asset that we couldn't possibly sell or, or refurbish for some other use. Um, and I guess, as Greg just mentioned, in, the, in our current arrangement where we are, we are the permit holder, but there's an underlying private property owner, um, the property owner can deny our use of the land at any time um, for any reason. So why now? Um, why February? Well, we have an increased concern for the reliable access to these land application sites. Um, building on kind of what Greg has said here, um, viable land application sites become more difficult to locate. There's no doubt. Um, there's increased competition by these third-party contractors because they're buying the land themselves and permitting the land themselves so that you have to use them and their land and their permit. So we're at somewhat of a in competition for land. Um, increased development. Whether it's in the port or whether it's along Interstate 40, um, you know, just east of Little Rock, uh, development is pushing available land opportunities further away. The farther away it is, the more of a logistics issue it is for the contractor and, and the higher the cost. And then, you know, there are private landowners that are deciding to use um, allow the use of biosolid or land application on their on their property. Um, and then I asked Kanita, and it, it took her about a second. Google up a few of these little um, headlines right here. Our biggest concern, and I would say the main reason for why now, is that there seems to be some increased media attention on biosolids contamination from, from forever chemicals, and it's it's not necessarily science based, um, and it's it's from other places all around the, the country. And all it takes is for our landowners that we have the permits with to to get scared of what might be going to happen to their property and all of a sudden we're out of the um, out of the available land so hopefully that's that gets us to this more typical part of our presentation so what we did um, through the purchasing department is that we um, sought commercial real estate services through a professional services contract um, the scope of work was basically um, to look and, and see what you could find in the, in the neighborhood of five to 800 acres of land for beneficial use of biosolids application. Um, you can kind of see the, the map on the, um, the right there. It's a, we're looking for something that's preferable in a 20 mile radius from the treatment plant because that's where um, the cost is the most beneficial to us. <coughs> Sorry. 
as is customary, we uh, put out a request for qualifications. Um, procurement process completed on a turnout term contract for service. Um, we received statement of qualifications, and then we conducted some interviews with in-house personnel with the um, respondents. And the contract is to include an initial two-year term because we think that's we need at least that to kind of get up and going, and then with the option um, for additional years if necessary. We had two respondents to the RFQ, Kelly Commercial Partners and the Hathaway Group. Um, and Mr. Hank Kelly is with us today. He wants to stand up here. Thanks for coming today. Um, so you might guess my next slide. Um, staff, well, I guess I should stop here and say, are there any questions? Okay. That's all right. Any, any more questions? Um, so staff is requesting to the commission to approve the recommendation of award for a term contract for the commercial real estate services and to authorize the CEO to enter into a contract with Kelly commercial partners and also to authorize subsequent contract renewals to be approved and signed at the discretion of the CEO if the renewal is within the best interest of the utility and follows resolution 2016-16 in regard to change order procedures. So moved. Do I have a second? Second. Okay. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Aye. Motion passed. Yeah, thank you, Al. Thank you. You're great, man. All right. Thanks, Al. Item number 10, Mike Rutter will, will present a resolution uh, for ARD restructuring and to repeal resolution 2023-03. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It just feels a little bit like deja vu it is, and I apologize for that. Um, today, we're here to talk about the restructuring that we're pursuing. Um, Resolution 202303, which was approved and adopted by this commission last month, called for the restructuring of five ANRD bonds totaling $221 million. And after further consultation with our bond council, we decided it would be better to exclude the 2020 ARLF, which is 51.4 million, since the bond proceeds on it will not yet be fully drawn at the time we close this transaction or that we seek to close it in uh, by October. By removing that bond from the equation, the debt service payments um, of it, the 2020 ARLF coincide already with the restructured bond debt service payments. Both bonds will have identical terms, 30 years at two and a quarter percent with the first payments due in 2024 and the last payments due in 2053. So by segregating the bonds, we uh, simplified the closing process with ANRD, yet we still achieve the same financial benefits because both bonds have identical terms, start and stop at the same time. So the revised debt structure, we would seek to restructure four of the remaining RLFs totaling 170 million 
and reminding what we talked about last month. The purpose is to reduce our cash flow needs, our debt service costs by 1.6 million annually from 2024 to 2036, and to reduce total debt service costs by 1.7 million over the 30 year term. Final uh, item here is the reason we're able to reduce total costs is that the weighted average rate of our current four different bonds is 2.77%. We're rolling them all into one bond at two and a quarter percent. Questions? Yeah. So today we're requesting the Little Rock Water Reclamation Commission uh, to approve resolution 2023 <clears throat> which is a resolution approving the restructuring of four city of Little Rock, Arkansas revenue bonds, which will be secured by the revenues of the water reclamation system and issued as part of the state clean water revolving loan fund program and repealing the prior resolution number 2023. So moved. second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes. Thank you. And uh, just Michael, um, this is going for for land's sake. This is going to the city when? Right now, we're shooting for March 14th and 21st. Just so you know. Uh, okay. Okay. Thank you. All Thank right. You. Mike will also present the financials for the January. So we're off to the first month um, of the year. So year-to-date statistics and the month are the same. So revenue of 5.4 million was almost $200,000 over what we had budgeted, just under 4%. Our operating expenses of 3.2 million slightly exceeded the budget by $53,000. We'll talk about that in a minute. Here's a breakdown of our revenue, um, the red, Part of the stack is our non-domestic assessments. They continue to be stronger than what we budgeted, and that's the primary reason why we were over budget by almost 200,000. Um, everything else was pretty much in line. From an operating expense perspective, um, where we went over budget was salaries and benefits, which is not atypical of January. In January, we do all of our uh, PTO conversions for people who decided to uh, convert PTO to pay a portion of their uh, health insurance benefits or all their health insurance benefits, and also to put money into their health savings accounts. And that's a hard number to, to, to budget. So we just never know how many people are going to do that. We're slightly over budget in combination, $75,000. Everything else was pretty much in line. From water consumption perspective, um, we continue to have growth. The rolling 12-month average for the 12 months ended January 31st, 2023, we're up 1.1% in domestic and we're up 7.2% in non-domestic. We are in the process of um, recalculating, well, we're shortly in, going to be into the process of recalculating the domestic average winter consumption. And so, uh, by the April meeting, we should kind of have a tally of overall, did the average go up or did it stay the same? But, uh, you know, it's been on the up, uh, on the increase a little bit. Um, 
all year. So we'll see what we get. Those calculations start uh, in March. From a cash flow perspective, we began the month with 69.3 million in the bank. We ended the month with 70.5 million. Uh, the majority of that is in our operating debt service reserve, 62 million. We have 8 million in restricted cash. So these are related to bond funds. We're well in uh, excess of our required operating and debt service reserve of 10 and a half million and our bond coverage ratio sits at 161% and our covenant requires us to be no less than 120%. From a debt perspective, we slightly increased our debt. We had no principal payments in the month of January, but we did two um, draws on uh, the draws on two different RLFs, 1.2 million on the 2020A and a 200,000 on the 2020 C our interest expense for the month was 1 million dollars. That's my financial research. Are there any questions for uh, Mr. Rona? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Mike. You all right? Item number 12. We have a legal update from Jean. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, nothing. No updates on litigation. Still waiting on the Court of Appeals to issue a ruling on the one item that's pending there. Um, as always, working on contracts, working closely with colleagues here and our HR director on what we're calling our Leadership and Development 2.0 program. And then, of course, spending a lot of time tracking what's happening at the Capitol. Um, the Arkansas Water Wastewater Management Association has a committee that meets every Friday to talk about bills of interest to our industry and whether or not um, we'll take a position on them. And then, uh, of course, following closely the solar legislation, I'm happy to report that the most recent amendment to that solar bill provides the protections to the utility for our solar project, which we've talked about quite a bit over the last couple of years. And so, um, you know, we have a, a, a comfort level that our project and our ability to proceed with it will be secure there. And, and on that note, Mike and I have been communicating with Integrity, um, who is the owner of our array, and we've just been told we're about uh, two to four weeks out from being energized from going live. And so that's great news. So, <laughs> so I imagine there'll be quite a splash when we get to that point. So, awesome. so All right. Item 13. Greg will present the CEO highlights. Chairman Hightower, Commissioners, uh, as always, our community champions are at work. Um, and one of the favorite places that we like to go to um, is the Arkansas Food Bank. Uh, so employees spent several hours working at the food bank and they were packaging rice for distribution uh, to area pantries. And so uh, we absolutely value the, the volunteers and, um, and the community partnerships. And it's always a great feeling uh, when we work at the Arkansas Food Bank. So they're great people over there. Um, also, <clears throat> we uh, sponsor, um, uh, our, we have a school partnership and the sponsorship uh, is the annual STEM fair at the Central High School. Uh, we had nine employees that volunteered uh, to be as judges, along with other community volunteers. There were 180 science projects, and this is where it goes way beyond my, my, my pay scale. 
um, the project, the categories such as computer science, uh, biochemistry, cellular and molecular biology, um, electrical and mechanical engineering, materials and bioengineering, and several other areas. We always enjoy supporting the next generation of scientists and uh, our folks had a great time with the, with the students out there. Also, uh, uh, during Valentine's, uh, we are, some of our employees uh, spread some cheer uh, at Hospice Home Care Patient uh, Center. Uh, they passed out cards uh, and sweet treats. The cards were signed by our employees at all of our five locations. It was a small gesture uh, that was met with so much joy and appreciation from uh, the patients and staff that, that were there. Um, so we had several employees featured in the Arkansas Times Blueprint issue. The publication focuses on technical careers and explores what uh, careers look like in various industries. We had um, Harold Huanu, um, Director of Collections, was uh, issued. Uh, Jared Martinez, one of our equipment operators. Uh, Re Rebecca Berkman, Director of Environmental Affairs. Terry and Tyler, uh, Project Engineer uh, with the Development Fund Group. Uh, Lindsay Hall was a pretreatment sample specialist, and Cherie Bynan, uh, safety coordinator. We also had uh, Tanya Wallace was featured in the magazine, which will run, the publication will be circulating for all of 2023. Also uh, this month, uh, we celebrated Black History Month, and we uh, on our social media uh, campaign, we recognized African-Americans who contributed uh, uh, contributions helped our city thrive. Uh, for example, the highlights included uh, Dijon, uh, excuse me, Carter, Chief of Engineering and Construction at the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, uh, Riley Branton, uh, Senior, he's an attorney and civil rights activist, uh, State Senator Joyce Elliott, um, Richard May, Senior, uh, again, a legend in the legal and civil rights uh, communities, and many others. Uh, they have uh, made Little Rock a better place uh, by calling it home, as well as we honor, uh, we like to honor them as fantastic African-Americans that are from our community. So also, uh, um, commissioners, I want to say we've got four contracts, and if you recall my spending authority, it has to be 10% uh, or less of a contract and or under $100,000. And if one of the two does not meet, uh, then my requirement is, is to make you aware that I that I went to these uh, contracts. And so I wanted John Holloway to talk about these four contracts very quickly, uh, but we felt it was in the utility's best interest to move forward. Hey, Chair Hightower, uh, glad to be back before you again. Uh, these uh, contracts pertain to infiltration and inflow reduction program. We're seeing great success in those programs. These pertain to annual renewals uh, for the different contractors. We have uh, the annual renewals uh, in the event that uh, the uh, we've reached our goals in the area, then we can end the contract. Or if the contractor is uh, not performing uh, to, to our standards, we can off-ramp. Or if uh, there needs to be a cost adjustment this is an opportunity for him and her to do that uh, without having to go through a, a change order um, annually. So uh, we feel this is a great project delivery method and a very uh, great program. And uh, these, uh, the constraints that Greg just talked about uh, and Hal mentioned in his presentation 
pertain to resolution 2016-16. And uh, with that, uh, we had uh, actually, Greg, a, a slight correction. We actually have three because I rechecked my notes and the fourth one is, uh, is below your spending authority. So I would like to talk about the three, if I may. You'll see on the left, uh, uh, the project areas, uh, this is what we call the, uh, well, we refer to, to them as numerically, but I'll say it's the uh, Roselawn area, the John Barra area, and the one closest to the airport is simply known as uh, sub 30,100. Uh, 30, uh, we saw a 5.77% increase. Again, that, that is... Uh, uh, within the constraints of 20, uh, 2016-16. That was with in the in situ form. You've heard us talk about uh, uh, cured in place pipes. Now that's the contractor that uh, performs uh, in uh, that work. Uh, also within that area, uh, Gulf Coast underground contractors, they do the test and seal. That's where they just go in and a very uh, effective but very non-invasive approach to uh, reducing I and I to actually go into the joints of the pipe and uh, perform uh, a vacuum on it, and then they're, uh, they'll fill it full of drought if it leaks. And that was an 8.2% increase. And then uh, the third is uh, uh, the third contract is the one on the right. You see the uh, much larger area. And that is the Rose Creek Resmond. Sorry for the length of these, but they're very descriptive to us. Rose Creek Resmond, Rock Creek, and Grassy Flat Basins. Uh, that is again CIPP, but yet with a different contractor. This is Suncoast contractor, and we saw a 9.3 percent increase in that contract amount. The other was uh, uh, again was below. Uh, it was a 9.47% increase. It's a much smaller contract, but it was below Greg's uh, spending authority. And just for reference, it was in the uh, uh, Rose Creek Redmond area that, that I described. So, no action, Chair Hightower, simply a report to, let, to fulfill the obligations of uh, Resolution 2016-16. Thank you. Chairman Hightower um, and Commissioners, Again, we had budgeted for these increases, so we knew they were coming. Um, and and I, again, it's just to make you aware. Um, the really great thing about these contracts is, uh, you know, because we're in our last year of the consent administrative order, um, we can use them until the point that we feel that we have enough uh, enough reduction in in the INI or the amount of flows that come into the sewer system. So I, I would like to continue on. Also, um, we will be advertising for a project near Booker Art uh, Magnet School. And this is to upsize a pipe from 18 to 24 inch that, that will, again, provide more capacity uh, for, wet, for wet weather flows. Uh, the scope is about uh, 770 uh, linear feet. And they, they actually will go in and burst the pipe, the 18 inch pipe, and bring in a 24 inch uh, there. Um, there is a section that they're going to relay that that really is at the edge of the school building, which we don't think is the right thing to do. To just uh, continue to, to upsize it there, so we will we will route around that school. And although the school is closed, um, there is the the facilities are still being used. The track is still being used. So 
Uh, our goal is to go out and have a community meeting with residents and make sure that they know what to expect. Also, uh, uh, again, emergency purchase. Uh, the Adams Field Water Reclamation Facility has a pump station, and all the water that goes into that, that treatment plant has to be pumped into that treatment plant. We've got six pumps out there, and these are fairly large pumps. Uh, we've got, I believe, five of these 30 million gallon a day pumps. And just to give you a perspective, uh, two of the pumps had uh, the, the impeller fail on them, the, the impeller cracked. And, and as you can see, that impeller, that's, that's a 500 pound impeller. So um, to expedite the process, because as it stands now for the two pumps, we're, we're down 60 million uh, gallons um, of, of possible capacity. So our goal is to get the, the, the impellers replaced as soon as possible. Uh, we have been working with the manufacturer, and the manufacturer tells us um, that that based on their their shipping ability, they should be able to get the both of them to us by March 20th. Um, the two the two impellers had an estimated cost of $115,000, so about $15,000 over my spending authority. Uh, but we really didn't have an option; we really had to move forward with this. So, so just two out of the five, or two out of the six, six or nine. Yeah, and one was a spare, so. Theoretically, we've got one down right now, but obviously we've got two. Okay, and the spares, the spares down as well as one one additional one is down. Correct, two. Okay, I, if I would talk to Mike, it'd be creative, uh, creative mad, but uh, there it is too. Okay, okay, and uh, Chairman Hightower, Commissioners, that is my uh, highlights. If you want to, I can get into the. Uh, the March proposed items, unless there's any questions. Thank you. All right. So there'll be a recommendation award construction for cured in place. And this is uh, trench, our trenchless annual contract. Every every year at the beginning of the year, we, we generally have a an annual contract for that. Also, it'll be an annual contract authorization for collect collection system analysis and capacity assurance. And again, if you if, if, if folks remember, this is where they they come in, they run our model for us. They let us know the areas that we're still deficient in so that we can continue to do work out there. So that contract is up again. Uh, Mike Rota would like to do a uh, our, a review of what our self-funded health uh, insurance looks like. We've got pretty much a year under our belt and at least where we were able to start giving you some, some really good information on that. And then we've got a presentation on our fat oils and grease as well as our sewer ladder replacement program and the opportunity zones. I think we've been doing some really good work with the community and we'd like to um, show that off if you don't mind. And uh, Chairman uh, Hightower, that's what I've got. It'll be the fog and slurp. That is exactly it. All right. I didn't want to say slurp. <laughs> making sure I was reading it correctly. It was okay. So. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Greg. All right. Item number 15. Any old business? Any new business? All right, our next meeting will be March 15, 2023. Uh, without any objection, we are adjourned. Thank you, Thank you commissioners that are online. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.